0: want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. Welcome to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our generation today. And my name is Micah Josiah, Micah Josiah, Micah Keneally, and this is my husband,
1: Josiah Keneally. Hey babe, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. The sun is finally shining here and we're above zero here in Minnesota. So, no longer 20 below today, but
1: positive temperatures, <laughs> positive attitudes. We're, we're coming to you live from the studio. And, um, it's a joy to come into your headphones, mm-hmm. your workout spaces, your drives, your commutes. Thanks for seriously, you guys. It's um, such an honor to, that you, mm-hmm. out of all the podcasts, you landed on this one. And we just don't, take that lightly or think it was an accident. New episodes do drop every Monday morning. We want to help you start your week off strong. And so thanks for subscribing and giving us a rating and review on Apple podcasts. That really helps us out reaching more listeners with the message of young adults today, but we're joined today Mm -hmm. by Lisa Anderson. Lisa, how are you?
2: I am doing well, you guys. It's so great to be here and see you even if only by screen. So coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado, where it's also sunny, but it's like sunny over 300 days a year here. So let's just be honest. I'm going to brag about that.
0: <laughs> that is true. You could enjoy the the mountain view from 70 degrees on most days that I've ever been to Colorado. So you got
2: the views and the amazing sunshine. But
1: you're no stranger <laughs> to the the seasons of
2: the Midwest. Am I right? I am no stranger. In fact, I was born in northern Minnesota. Uh, I have family up there, northwest Minnesota. I lived in the Twin Cities for a while. I went to college in Chicago. So I've, I've done my Midwest time and I love it. It's just the variation is so great
1: amazing. And um, Lisa Anderson, we're talking with today is the director of Boundless, mm-hmm. which is focused on the family's young adult ministry. Lisa's the author of the dating manifesto, a drama free plan for pursuing marriage with purpose. Come on somebody. So That's we're right. going <laughs> to talk about all things, next generation ministry, specifically young adults. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about dating singleness, God's purpose, his plan. Uh, Lisa also hosts a really popular podcast called The Boundless Show, which is also a national syndicated radio program, weekly podcast. We're really thrilled to have you here today. Um shared this at the top before we press record, but I told Micah, what did I tell you like three and a half, four weeks ago?
0: Well, you, we were thinking, brainstorming, and there's always something going on in Josiah's head and heart. Like at three in the morning, he's like, Micah, what if? Micah, what about Micah? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, if you say my name one more time with some crazy idea, just wake <laughs> me in the morning. We have two little girls that wake me enough. But what he did say is, like, how amazing would it be if we knew and could meet somebody from Colorado Springs, Colorado, specifically somebody doing something that Lisa's doing, working with young adults? What in the world's focus on the family doing? Is that the gym. He shared that with a friend. He shared that with me. And literally the next day, one of Lisa's teammates reached out to us and only God, right? Yeah. Only God.
1: Divine Absolutely. Spirit. And uh, people stop me sometimes and they're like, are you Chris Martin? Are you from Coldplay? <laughs> um, if you're watching the YouTube, that might make more sense because you can see me, but I literally get asked. A few times every year, like, hey, do you know Chris Martin? Or are you Chris Martin? Are you from Coldplay? And I'm like, no, he's another good looking dude. But I do have something in common with him, and that is a head full of dreams. And um, so, if you're listening today and you have a heart for reaching the next generation, maybe a passion, a dream, a dorm dream, um, this episode's gonna be for you. And Lisa, can you just kick us off by sharing with us, with the listener, some of your story and journey Mm -hmm. of life and leadership?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So I uh, said I was born in Northern Minnesota, but grew up primarily in Northern California in the Bay area. And, um, if you basically Googled eighties and nineties, evangelical kid, my face would be right there. Um, my parents had been missionaries in the Philippines before I was born. And then my dad took a pastorate. And so I always say I'm the youngest of six kids and I'm by far the favorite. I mean, that's a story for another time. Let's just be (laughs) honest. But, um, I, I feel like I was in one of those homes where who my parents were at home and who they were in public was the same thing. And that was a huge gift for me because I know my generation, you know, I'm kind of that middle towards the end of Gen X. Um, It was all about like, oh, let's just throw your kids in a youth group and hopefully they're going to come out okay and stuff. And my parents were hardcore. Like, I mean, we're talking about, you know, I had to talk, uh, I had to ask them why, like, could I listen to Striper and Petra and whatever and DC talk and no dad, they're really saved. They're saved. Okay. Come on. And he's like, well, they look angry, you know, in their albums and stuff. So, I mean, it was like, you know, we couldn't watch a lot of movies. We couldn't dance. We couldn't, And I was always like, man, that's just crazy, you know. But then my parents, were that's just how they grew up. That was just their culture growing up. But what I know is they loved, loved Jesus. They loved his people. They loved our community and they were serving. And it was just for them, it was about the gospel. And so that was ingrained in me. Later on in life, I went to a Christian college. I grew up in the California public schools, decided to go to a Christian college. But for me, it was that season of like, okay, am I taking this faith for my own or am I just writing my parents' spiritual coattails? And I had to make that journey myself of really believing that God is who he says he is. What does that mean for me? What does it mean to be transformed uh, by the gospel and into his likeness? And so um, I started at Focus on the Family. I've been a few places in corporate America and elsewhere. I actually started in the world of PR. That was my background in journalism. And then no joke, you guys, Boundless was one of my clients. I was repping them, doing news releases, doing helping them kind of get the word out. And the guys who were running it at the time, married guys with kids, they're like, Lisa, we're going to start a podcast. You're single. You like to talk. Do you want to host it? And I was like, yeah, I'll give that a whirl, whatever. And that was 13 years ago now. So we're one of the longest running podcasts, I think, that's been out there. I mean, and that's credit to those guys. They were on the front end of everything. And God has been so faithful in the work that we've been doing through Boundless. We've got the best audience ever. Um, They are chasing after Jesus. And we're just here to help them do that.
0: Lisa, I think that's amazing. First and foremost, thank you for sharing your story. Um, you brought something forth that was a spirit riding the spiritual coattails of your parents. And I think many of our listeners, maybe we we've all been guilty of that at some time to, to discover what is a relationship with Christ look like for me and what do I believe and How has he been um, evident in my life and all those different questions that kind of go along with that, but also just kind of Setting us up for the next section is more or less our listeners. They're young adults. They're young adult ministry leaders. They want to be on the breaking edge of everything coming up. Like we want to stay ahead of culture if we can. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I know that you obviously just alluded to that through the podcast that was started 13 years ago, which is amazing. And I would just be curious to hear your insight of why is young adult ministry so vital and important in the church today?
2: Absolutely. I think part of it is just the sheer volume of the generations that are represented. So we're talking about Millennials, who are literally the largest generation right now. So they have overtaken the boomers. So to think that through is just that's just a size issue. I mean, so we're just talking about these people are in your churches, you guys, Gen Z now coming up uh, behind them. And so I think just to recognize the uniqueness of the generations is so huge and to realize that this isn't, you can't just do ministry that was done in the 90s ministry that was done to boomers and now xers and say yeah you know millennials and gen zers they're going to pick it up it's cool they'll they'll adapt they'll adapt no you know so so that's one thing i think two we realize that in churches everyone needs their tribe okay and i think we just have to acknowledge that because the largest especially the single young adult and now the majority of young adults are single because marriage is being delayed just to about 30 years old on average now. So that's an entire decade we're looking at um, of a young adult who is not married, but churches are programmed for families, you know, and it's all about the marriages and the kids and whatever. And our generation of young adults is like, what's here for me? All you guys are doing is asking me to volunteer and help run all these programs for families. But what is there for me? And so I think to have eyes on young adults to understand their unique needs and to marshal them to tap them and say, you are here to serve, you're here to grow, you are here to be accountable. That's one thing I hear at Boundless so often is people are like, I'm so glad I found Boundless. You know, it's like my church. And I'm like, no, uh uh-uh, no. You get into a local church where someone is in your grill, up in your business, who knows you, who is going to challenge you, who is going to have eyes on you. That is the role of the church today, to be boots on the ground. And we want them to be doing that with young adults in mind.
1: Incredible. I agree so much, Lisa, about millennials, about Generation Z, Mm -hmm. and looking at the way that we've always done things might not be the way that's going to necessarily resonate um, or attract or retain the next generation. Mm -hmm. And the faith of the next generation is vital. It's so important. I'm reminded of um, Andy Stanley, something that he has said for decades is that we marry the mission And then the Mm -hmm. methods are flexible. So what he's talking about is the mission of God is unchanging. The mission of the local church is to seek and to save the lost. Mm -hmm. It's the great commandment. It's the great commission. It is Mm -hmm. living out and executing. We're invited into that narrative, Mm -hmm. but the methods are going to need to look different in 2022 and in 2030, which is not all that long from today. Right Mm -hmm. now, when you think about it, it'll Mm -hmm. go about. That fast, right, in all reality. And and so the way that we're approaching Church of the 2022, 2030 is going to need to look a little bit different than it did with cassette tapes, um, (laughs) than it did with, um, you know, different discipleship methods. Again, these Mm -hmm. are all tools to carry out the mission Mm -hmm. of God and we need to be forward thinking. We need to be futuristic and we need to think Mm -hmm. with future plural generations in mind. And I'm reminded of this every morning when I'm awakened by our two daughters, they are the Mm -hmm. next generation right now. And then you think the next generation after that and future generations to come, Mm -hmm. we want to hand off the church and faith and following Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, And a big part of that is, I think the local church, and you hit on that, Lisa, and I would just ask the follow-up, how would you encourage maybe somebody who's a lead pastor listening, maybe they're a support staff, like a college or young adult or career, young as pastor, maybe they're a board member with kids that are young adults, or they're a passionate Christ follower, how can they love the young adults in their church well?
2: Sure. Well, I think first of all is, is finding out who these folks are finding out, identifying the young adults in your church, because by and large, Many of them, especially if you're in a larger church, they're going to be sitting in the back row with their double walled coffee mug taken in the show. You know, they're they're kind of one foot in, one foot out. They're trying to figure out, is this for me? Am I going to find friends here? Am I going to find a place to plug in? What does that look like? You know, I can just jump on my computer, throw my AirPods in and, and podcast any preacher I want at this point. So what is what does it mean for me to get up on a Saturday morning or maybe go in on a Saturday night? and actually participate in church. And so to see them and to know them is first and foremost and to to really hear them in the sense of you know what what are they learning? What are they um what are they grappling with? What are the challenges that they're seeing? You know many young adults are out in the workforce right now. I mean even pandemic aside, you know they many have been furloughed, many have been their dreams have been derailed. They're kind of like Do I, can I trust the will of God? What does this look like? So take them under your wing. And I say this, not just to pastors, this isn't the role just to the pastors in the church. This is every adult in the church who has a place, uh, a ministry to to do there, who can have eyes on a young adult, take them under your wing. I mean, this is empty nesters. Stand up and be counted right here because these are the folks that, that are our next generation. They're our current generation, such as it is. And so we've got to be willing to pour into them. And then also expect stuff from them. So again, this isn't like all the young adults in your church need to be some horrible project where they're just a bunch of users and consumers and stuff like that. Man, I always say, you know, when I talk to like the millennials, especially in church, dude, if you're a CPA, you better be on your church's finance committee and plugging in that gifting and using it for the kingdom. Uh, If you are, you know, if you have giftings in, in other areas, whether that's relationally, whether that is in Something that you have a skill set for, you need to stand up. This isn't like let's wait until all our parents and grandparents are dead and then we're going to be forced into it. No, the time is now, and that's why I love. You know, people say, "Oh, well, you are, are you about like twenty-somethings groups or whatever," and and I'm like. I kind of am because again, the whole tribe thing, I think people need to have their, their peeps. They need to have that group. That's going to be their chicken soup when they're sick, the people to hang out with on a Saturday night, but cross-generational man that needs to happen too. And we need to get all the generations, the ages and stages serving together and learning from one another um, because that is the church. That is the body.
0: Lisa, we couldn't agree more with everything that you just said. And I just wrote some notes while you're talking. It's like, for the young adult to, to see them, know them, ask them, invite them and hear them because they have thoughts of their own. They have experiences, they have encounters, they have ideas, they have testimonies, they have insight. And sometimes they're the, they're the people that see it the best. Like they'll tell you the way it is if they're asked, you know, mm-hmm. and if we ask them and if we lean into the conversations that they're having. And one thing that many of our listeners are asking, and also, um, some of the leaders who are listening as well, they have a lot of questions. This is a fan favorite. So this is a fan topic that they just love to lean into. And I I know this is obviously one of your passion points, just from what you've written and some um, stuff along the way that you've probably written and experienced and share with others, but what is one piece of dating advice? This is where they want to go. They want to know about single dating engagement. They want all of the, the good stuff. So what is one piece of dating advice you have for someone who might be single and listening today?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like I have to constantly take my own advice because in telling my story, what I didn't say was that I never expected to be single this long. I mean, I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I went to a Christian college for crying out loud. Didn't I drop thousands of dollars to meet a husband? Apparently not, you know? Okay. So, um, (laughs) but the whole idea behind it is, are we trusting God in the season we're in? And so I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one because I actually want to give two pieces of advice and I'm going to roll them into one. Okay. The first is to literally come up with your list of qualifications for a future spouse and stick to it. But now when I say that people get all crazy, because if you're like me, I remember in junior high, a well-meaning youth pastor separated us guys and girls. And I remember this woman came in with the girls and she's like, ladies, take out a sheet of paper and write down the 50 things that you want in your future husband. Well, we all just started writing furiously, you know, and my first few things were totally legit, you know, loves Jesus is a solid believer, whatever. But by 47 through 50, I mean, we're talking hair color, we're talking plays guitar, we're talking, so it got, and then she's like, and then just put this on your mirror and pray over it every day. Well, I did, but God didn't deliver you guys. So what, did he fail me? So, you know, it's this idea of like crazy lists need to go out the window, but a solid list that literally has like three or four things on it, Mm -hmm. that needs to be, you need to have that in your pocket. And so- let me just say really quickly what those things are because everyone's going to be like, Lisa, how come you didn't say? Okay. So the first is, is literally a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this means that they are transformed by the gospel and you can see the fruit in your life. Okay. So, you know, how do you know someone's a Christian? You see fruit and you see repentance. Those are the two biggies. Okay. So someone who (laughs) is willing to repent um, and is willing to, they're manifesting the fruit of the spirit as they, as they go about their daily life. So this isn't like, oh, of course I'm a Christian. I was born in Texas. This isn't, oh, Oh, of course, I'm a Christian. I retweet Francis Chan. No, 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 no. We're not talking about celebrity pastors or influencers or nonsense. We're talking about is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Number two is humble and teachable. And that goes along with that repentance. A marriage can go the distance if both parties are willing to do the hard work and humble themselves and sacrifice their egos uh, in order to grow. And so find someone who is humble, who's teachable, who's willing to take correction, even straight up rebuke. You'll be on your way to a lot more success than most couples out there. Third, um, find someone who's in a position to marry. Okay. This means you marry a grown up. Okay. You don't marry a kid. You don't marry a poser. You don't marry a joker. Mm -hmm. Um, You are marrying someone who, you know, maybe this means like they have a job. Okay, Maybe this means they actually take ownership of their own emotions and they're responsible for their behaviors and they're willing to own it. Maybe it means that they've taken on some life lessons and have grown in areas of maturity that they need to grow in. And so it's just, it's that whole adulting piece of like, I'm actually marrying a functioning adult, not someone who's still calling mom every four minutes to solve every mess I've gotten myself into. Uh, You want to marry an adult. And then finally, you want to marry someone who's heading generally in the same direction you are. So this doesn't mean like, oh, you have to be a chip and Joanna Gaines power couple and you have to have some completely synergistic ministry. But if you, you know, if if you want to start an accounting firm in Iowa and the person you're dating is convinced they're going to Uganda to build orphanages, someone's calling better change or there better be a way to kind of finesse that a little bit. So Uh, Just think that through and realize that you can shape your calling to someone else's or you can join someone's calling, but be headed in the same direction and obviously looking straight towards the cross. So um, that list for me is so important. And then the second thing I'm just going to tag on when you decide to start dating, get a dating team. I am so passionate about this. Too many young adults, too many daters start gazing into one another's eyes. They lose all objectivity all of a sudden red flags galore, but oh my goodness, you don't know him like I know him. He's so amazing, whatever. And the people around him are like, "Uh, this guy's a joke. What in the world? And then you're not willing to listen. And so you get that team. They're going to keep you accountable. They're going to keep you honest and uh, that will help you date well and really responsibly and with integrity.
1: I love it, Lisa. I know this is one of Micah's favorite topics. Mm -hmm. It's it's become (laughs) one of Mm -hmm. our favorite topics truly to, to have conversations, because this is one of those things. That's a question that everyone's asking. And if they're not asking it, they're thankful because they're hoping that somebody else asks the question and that that they get to take notes on it too. And um, I just remember meeting Micah. And, um, then meeting one of her friends and we were all Mm. out to eat together. And we had this moment where then Micah went to the bathroom and it wasn't anything weird or staged or planned, but Whitney is now sitting across from me and she goes, so Josiah, tell me what you like about Micah. Like, why are you spending time with her? What a try. And in a good way, she was on Micah's dating team. Like she was one of those people who did get up in my face a little bit, had Micah's back, ultimately had our back, has our back Mm -hmm. to this day, Mm -hmm. was then in our wedding and stood beside us. Like we asked, hey, for this day and for a lifetime. But I think that you're hitting on things like importance of faith, direction in life, Mm -hmm. communication. Um, commitment, core values, but also Mm -hmm. chemistry. And I think that those things are vital. They're Mm -hmm. important. And um, I've been reading a book too, or recently finished it by Rachel Joy Welcher. And it's uh, it's called Talking Back to Purity Culture. And Mm -hmm. as a pastor, as a leader, one of the things that I picked up from this book is that sometimes our intentions as leaders actually um, set those that were serving up for disappointment or failure. And one of those things is making promises. And you touched on that, or you referenced that. And I think the other Mm -hmm. one, this might've been my biggest takeaway from talking back to purity culture is when I'm communicating or having these conversations, one of the things that I really want to emphasize is a lifetime of sexual purity, Mm -hmm. a lifetime of waiting for your future spouse, not just up until your marriage or up until your wedding night, because then that infers mm-hmm. or communicates without communicating a message that you don't have to worry about purity after you're married, which is clearly not the case. Right. And so I yeah. think that so many people are focused on the wedding bells or the wedding day itself and not
2: the marriage, the marriage or marriage. the lifetime of marriage. Yeah. Right. So- Well, and you bring up such a good point, Josiah, because really what I hear from so many young adults is this idea that before they pull the trigger and decide to marry someone, they have to have all their questions answered. They have to know everything they could possibly know about this person. And any married person will tell you that is just not possible. You're going to grow in in your marriage. You're going to be shaped. You're going to change some opinions on some things. And so what you're looking for is trajectory. You're looking for what is that person's trajectory because you can not cross all the T's and dot all the I's. You cannot, I mean, you cannot guarantee you're not responsible for this person's spiritual development. You're not, they're responsible before God himself, um, you know, and what that looks like. And so you have to look for trajectory. Now, what does that mean? Because I'll have women come up to me, precious, precious women who think that they're going to marry John Piper. And they're like, whoa, Lisa, you know, they're just, they've identified some kind of outlier, you know, because again, they've had access to so much podcasting and books and sermon series and all that. And I'm like, look, John Piper was not John Piper when he was 22. He was probably some kind of weirdo, you know, jerk who, through his marriage to Noelle, she helped shape him and God helped sanctify him through the relationship itself. And so, you know, I always say that's kind of girls failing. And then God are kind of like, well, I want a supermodel who also writes Bible studies and you know some unattainable ideal that you're like, look, you are signing up for marrying a human being who was made in the image of God. You're going to grow together. You're going to fight together. You're going to walk through hardship together. So pick that person, put the blinders on, then invest in that person. That's how you find the one rather than looking for this elusive, the one you pick your person, you invest in them and they become your one.
1: I love it. And PS, happy birthday, John, if you're listening to this particular episode, I know you're from Minneapolis, Minnesota, but yeah, John Piper's birthday and one of those people who's had a profound impact on probably all of our lives Mm -hmm. and uh, in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And I love that you went there and said that, you know what, he's not perfect. He'd be the first person to tell you that. And another thing that you pointed out, Lisa, that I just want to echo or reiterate is he is in his seventies <laughs> and he like, he's had so much growth. Mm-hmm. He was on that trajectory, but this you're talking about, he got married before he was probably even teaching at Bethel Sem
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: or Bethlehem, mm-hmm. you know, sem, uh, before Bethlehem seminary started or Bethlehem Baptist. Yeah. And so we're all on a journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's amazing. And I know that in a recent email too, you pointed out that young adults are grappling with progressive theology. And that means that's a loaded, uh, phrase (laughs) I'm, I'm mindful of that, but, um, so many young adults are, you know, wrestling with their faith. They're asking hard questions and there's this idea of progressive theology. And can you take us there for a moment and share at least from your vantage point, what you're seeing as it relates to the faith of the next generation?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has been, you know, my audience, this is where we're, we're engaging all the time because it might be something that's come up in the culture and they're like, okay, Lisa, where do I go with this? How do I, you know, what do I do with my LGBT friend or sister? How do I show love to them, but also stay biblically orthodox in in saying what I believe? And so it's a messy place. And I think really where we've gotten so tripped up, you guys, is we have become too enamored with this celebrity Christian culture to the point where, You see someone on Instagram and just because they happen to have a lot of followers, maybe they're awesomely witty. Maybe they have, you know, dropped the mic a few times with some great memes, but then all of a sudden they become like our guides for all things scriptural. And the minute they patter away and kind of start running off the rails, we're right behind them because we are looking to them as a source of truth rather than getting back to scripture like we know we should be and making sure that everything fits against the plumb line of what God Himself says. And so. You know the whole reason that we've we've um, gotten into this progressive kind of nature in our culture is that we're just we're in love with ourselves. You guys, I mean, let's just be honest. Let's call it what it is. We are all about our wants, our needs, our feelings, and God just patting us on the back and telling us that we can live how we want. We can think how we want. And that's why specifically, you know, you'll see so many of the progressives starting to chuck things out of scripture. So maybe it's going to be hell, you know, that's a little, I'm uncomfortable with that. So let's just write that out. Or maybe it's a a prescriptive for something related to, um, to biblical sexuality or maybe it is uh the the fact that Jesus Christ literally had to be a substitute for our sinful selves on the cross and no one wants to think that they're that bad you know there are some people that are bad but not me i'm just kind of medium bad you know and so we just start Acting like this is scriptural truth or that, you know, well, maybe I didn't read it quite right. Or maybe these old school pastors are just being a little too heavy on it and stuff. And so I say, you know, really, we have to get back um, to understanding what scripture has to say, what does God say about himself? And what does he say about me? Because otherwise we're just listening to the sounds of our own voices. And that's up for interpretation. Anyone can choose to disagree with us. Anyone can choose, you know, and there are so many, and I want to kind of give some props to young adults here because in my audience, many, many young adults know they're like, I know that scripture doesn't say this, or I know that scripture is very clear on this. But then where it kind of gets tricky for them is, but what does that mean? How do I have the conversation? So right. they're, they're fearful, so they just stay silent. And I'm like, look, you guys, you, you know, I, have, I am a professional PR person. That is my background. Let's take comfort in the fact that Jesus does not need our PR. He can handle himself. He is very jealous for the glory of his name. He will defend it. He knows what he said from the beginning of time. He's mm-hmm. cool with it. Let's be cool with it. You guys, because at the last day it will stand the word of God and the souls of his people, man, those are the things that are going to stand. We can be confident in that.
0: That's incredible. And I'm always reminded of like every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, no matter what we're up against, no matter what our family's struggling with, no matter whatever question we have under the sun, like it is said and done on so many different levels. And I think that we are small minded individuals trying to seek the knowledge of a unlimited, like limitless God <laughs> mm-hmm. and trying to put him in the box in that process of how does this fit and work for me and for my life. And I love that you went with, went there with like myself, my, 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 me, 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 because Josiah and I, and a couple of our other friends have been really leaning into the, there's the word of narcissism mm-hmm. and just like What does that mean for this day and age? And how do we not become narcissistic leaders? And how do we not think of ourselves as God or as somebody else as God? Because young adults, like you said, they'll naturally go to you as a leader or assume that you have it all together or put you on a pedestal. And one thing with that, when I meet with any young woman that I'm mentoring or is coming alongside for a season or whatever, I go, I just need to tell you one thing, two things. I'm not God and I'm not the Holy spirit. (laughs) <laughs> but I do believe in God. I have a relationship with him. And I do believe the Holy spirit can download things to us and he can lead and guide in just some very unique ways. And I will need to remove myself, whatever preconceived notions you have of me, good, bad, ugly, whatever this, that, and the other, you need to know that I am not God. I'm not the Holy spirit. And, but we're going to go to the word of God and we're going to figure some things out together, or we're going to pray and rally around this portion of your life, or we're going to, you know, walk um, through this hand in hand, you know, and just, or put you and point you in the right direction of. Whoever else you may need to contact. So it's just a really interesting concept when we remove the lens off of ourselves as leaders and we point it back on Christ, the spotlight. This is not about me. This is about God, but God can use me and bring, you know, people to Christ because I invited them, but not in my namesake, only in his namesake. So totally, I don't know. Just totally. random thoughts. <laughs> I,
1: what I hear you both saying, Lisa and Micah, is we need to have a grand vision of God. We need to Mm -hmm. recognize that he's the one seated on the throne that, you know what, we might be invited to the table Mm -hmm. and have a seat in his presence, but he's the one we worship. It's all Mm -hmm. about one name and that's his name. And with that, I know this question is a bit off script, Lisa, but I just look at, and really respect, have so much respect for the work you're doing with Boundless and also the resources of Focus on the Family. I shared before we press record that some of my earliest <laughs> memories are my parents coming across some cassette tapes or some, some. VHS probably or some resources on the radio that we're from focus on the family. And I just want to have you, if you're willing, Lisa, if you'll, if, if like in the words of mission impossible, should you choose to accept this question? (laughs) If you would be willing to not only paint a big picture of God for us, but also of God's design, maybe for our purpose, for our future, for things like marriage, for things like family, can you help us maybe Peel back some of the confusion and go there with what is God's design for our lives, for his glory, and for things like marriage and family and career and purpose in the process?
2: Sure. Man, that's big. Okay. <laughs> and and so much of this is, is stuff that I've been learning and relearning lately. Because again, you know, I think to myself, I, I just finished going through uh, Romans with a girl at church that I'm discipling, a, a young 20-something. And it's just like, I mean, Paul really pulls out his best attorney for Romans because it is a, it's an argument for why we believe what we believe and why God is who he says he is. And so, you know, I remember a guy I dated in college, in fact, um, had got, been going to a state school, started reading Romans. He said, no joke, this is his testimony. He said, by chapter seven, I was in tears and I was saved. He said the word was so convicting to him. And so I think again, the challenge is we're um, we're making God too small. The reality is God is infinite. God is, I mean, again, the the fact that the fact that we can't even get our heads around this just shows that, hey we're on the right team. You guys, uh, yeah. God is so much bigger. We can't define him. We can't contain him. And so what I've been learning, like I said, and relearning is this idea of the righteousness of God. I think so often we're caught up in, okay, am I doing enough? Am I, is God really? I mean, I know God loves me, but he, does he really like me? I mean, I feel like he's often just disappointed in me. Shouldn't I be serving him more? Shouldn't I be messing up less? Shouldn't I be, you know, do doing more for the kingdom and really the fact is man when god declared us righteousness through the blood of his son that was a transactional thing that was a once and for all thing we are changed we have a new identity we are hidden in christ as a result of that now the second half of righteousness is what we grow into that's our sanctification that's um that's imparted righteousness the first one's imputed righteousness then we have imparted righteousness imparted righteousness I love to describe as I'm becoming the person that God's already declared me to be. And that is so freeing because it's not about me measuring up. It's not about me doing enough. The fact that I can wake up today. And if it's the worst day I've lived in history, God loves me as much on my worst day as he does on my best day. And again, like that, you guys, that's money in the bank. That is identity. That's who I am. It's not anything about um, what I have done or will be doing. That is entirely God. And so in that I can be free to live out whatever he's put in front of me. So for me, like, let's take, you know, Josiah, you brought up singleness, marriage, all that stuff. I mentioned before, I never thought I'd be single this long. I thought I was going to lock eyes across a Starbucks with a guy and it was just going to happen. You know? I mean, that's what I was promised, whatever. Okay. So, but it hasn't happened. But the fact is, I know that in the end, no, we're not going to be married in heaven. I mean, it's going to be leveling the playing field that marriage is a wonderful picture of God's relationship, Christ's relationship with the church. But as a result every one of us, every one of us is going to stand before God and give an account for ourselves. And that's, you know, Mm -hmm. Mike is not going to be able to blame you for stuff. You're not going to be able to blame her for stuff. No one's going to be like, okay, well I gave 70%, but you know, my husband gave 80. So doesn't that count for something? No. I mean, God knows he's, he's got our hearts. He's, he's got us in the palm of his hand. We know that we can be confident in that. And so as a result, we're walking out i mean you guys you guys are walking life out as a team but you're entirely representatives of our great God. You're not, you know, plugging your own um, agenda. You're not putting in your own time for your own stuff. It's God's going to define that for us. And I think that's so freeing and so comforting for those of us who are wishing that our lives turned out differently than they did, or where, you know, we all have to trust God for something. And when I talk to singles, it's all about like, well, if I just got married, if I just got, you know, I, I remember hearing from someone. This was so sobering to me. She said, Lisa, I just wish I could get married because then someone would be forced to love me. I mean, how erroneous is that? Any married person can tell you millions of people are lonely in their marriages and they feel unseen. Mm -hmm. It's not the solution. The solution is to plug into God himself and know that only from him are we going to get our life, our love, our identity. And then from that, we can live in freedom and we can love others lavishly because of what we've been given.
0: Lisa, I think that's so good. I'm so, you went there in so many different levels. I couldn't even (laughs) keep track of which way I wanted to take take this or which way we could go. But I definitely, I resonate with the fact of many women. And I think I may have been one of these in my early twenties thinking that a man's not job, but if you get married, you're going to complete each other. Mm -hmm. You're going to complete when, if I find the person, when I find the person, they will complete me. Well, the real the reality is that they're gonna they should compliment you meaning like where they're weak you're strong natural gift sets talents abilities like you should complement each other in that regard never complete each other the only person that can ever complete a marriage and us as individuals is Jesus Christ himself and in relationship with him and I think so many young adults that we've or I've come across I think that Josiah's come across is they have these um these false you know thoughts and these false, expectations, like they're not realistic more or less of, of expectations they place on the other person. And I, I always say, I'm like, okay, you have your list or you've made your list of expectations and you expect your spouse to be X, Y, and Z, but are you willing to be those things? Well, God better be first. They better be able to lead. They better be able to do Okay. Those are all great and fine, but are you allowing God to form and sanctify essentially you in all these regards before you come and like, will you be ready if they come your way? Yeah. Are they going to love the best version of you in that moment? Or are you waiting for them to become the best version of themselves? So then you can become somebody through who they are. So,
2: (laughs) Right. And the fact is there's no guarantee that they're going to love the best version of you. You know what? Um, So I had this truth bomb dropped on me from an old dude that I know here in Colorado Springs, who's been married 50 years. And it was kind of that, you know, the classic uh, thing of of when people ask you, okay, you know, when, when you're in a marriage, uh, what percentage do you have to give? And then people say, oh, you know, 50%, you got to each give 50, 50. And then that makes a whole. And then I very, you know, pride. I very pridefully said to myself when he was telling me this, I said, oh no, I said, no, I know you're going to tell me it's a hundred, a hundred. And he said, nope, I'm not going to tell you that. You know what it is? It's a hundred zero. If that other person never gives you the love that you need, the affirmation you need, if they never show up. You have everything in Christ that you need to walk out your faith, to love others. That the filling comes from Christ himself. You don't look to your spouse to begin. Now, ideally, if that person's a follower of Jesus, they better get slapped upside the head and better start getting some sanctification (laughs) and loving their spouse. Okay. You know, call focus on the family. We'll help them out. But at the same time, we don't look to that. We don't look to that for our, you know, for what is going to complete us or to fill us. If, if your spouse, I I know friends who are married to unbelievers, you know, and it's a great grief in their life to not feel like they are loved in the way that, that Christ loves the church. And Mm -hmm. that's something where they just say, but for Jesus, Jesus has to give it to me. And that's all of us single, Mm -hmm. married, wherever we are, you know, that's what we have to look to. Right. I think that's so
0: good. I think our confidence in who we are comes when we recognize and understand who we are and whose we are. Mm-hmm. And once we know that in our singleness, you are only going to be more competent and comfortable in your relationship with Christ when, or if you ever do get married. And I will just ask Josiah, I don't want to mess it up because I always fumble yeah. with my words with this one, but our pastor <laughs> of our last church shared four different levels of, of singleness and dating. And would you just start at the bottom and work your way up? Because the top is where you want to be. The bottom is where Mm -hmm. you hopefully never have to find yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neil rich came up with these at Cedar Valley church. And, um, he, he said, it's kind of like this. If you look at it, like, um, maybe the highest goal or, or Mm -hmm. if, if God has placed marriage in your heart as a desire, happily married is the goal
2: goal. You want to
1: be happily married. Right beneath it though, is happily single. And that comes from contentment and being in a place and in the danger zone of happily single is if in an effort to find a relationship, you actually become unhappily single. Mm -hmm. And then the the danger zone, the place that none of us want to go ever Mm -hmm. is unhappily married. Right. And when you think of wherever you find yourself in those categories, you might be happily married. You might be happily single. You might be like, honestly, like, Hey, you know what today in this moment, I'm going to be vulnerable and transparent. I'm unhappily single. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good that you're admitting that because where you can go is you can go to happily single, but where you don't want to go in the process Mm -hmm. is to make a jump from, because the only place, if you're unhappily single, if you get married, the only place you're going to go and land is unhappily married. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Micah, that is.
0: Well, I think so many times, especially women in ministry or women in the church, you re- reach a certain age. And I remember being 27. I didn't get married till I was 30. And some men of the church are just like, well, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you married yet? Blah, 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 blah. You're too picky. And I'm like, no, like I'm not picky. I'm particular. And I'm going to be particular in the man who God has for me, number one, that I've been praying for, for the last 10 years, and he'll bring him in his due time. And if he doesn't, well, I need to be okay with that, but I am happily single responding to this question when I'd come across these older men in the church. And sometimes they just don't know any better, or they just don't have a filter. And when you know who you are and whose you are, when those questions or comments come your way as a woman, or maybe even as a man, you won't feel completely defeated and I don't know, ridiculous or unworthy or whatever word you want to use there because you know whose you are. And I think so many times if one cutting comment can just take you like, wow, I went from, I'm praying for my future spouse to I'm never getting married. Like, and if we know who who God calls us to be in between those two, you know, ends of the spectrum, I think we can surround ourselves with Christians, young women and men and mentors that can rally around us and we can enjoy those different seasons. We don't have to be married to be happy because, you
2: know, some of those are the most unhappy people. So.
0: Yeah. Well, it's almost like
2: we've, (laughs) it's almost like we've taken marriage as a relational status and put it in a very idolatrous place Mm -hmm. where it, it really is the be all end all. And so many singles are on this hamster wheel of trying to elusively find, you know, a connection with someone for the sake of okay, if I could just get married, then I can start serving God in church. Then I'll start maturing. Then I'll start, then my life will start. Then I'll, you know, and it's, it's just, that's not true. I mean, show me in scripture where it, where it says that, but you know, well-meaning churches have, have propped it up so that you'll have precious saints come up to you and just say, you know, when's your turn? When's your day? Where, where's your guy, you know, whatever. And, and I'm like, that's one thing that you, you were talking before Micah, about being promised things. No one can promise me that people Mm -hmm. will say, Oh, Lisa, your day will come. I don't know that it will, you know what, if God wants it to, it will. And that's totally fine. But no one can promise that to me. All I'm promised is that God is walking with me through the season I'm in for as long as I'm in it. And if it's singleness for a long season, then so be it. If it's a shorter season, so be it. But he has things for me to do right now, rather than sitting in singleness, like it's a waiting room for marriage. Oh my gosh, that's good.
0: And here's the thing. You're never going to arrive. So many people get it in their head. If I get married, then I'm going to arrive. And it's like, well, then what? Then you go to the the concept or the ideas of children, house, Mm -hmm. pets, um, retirement, like the list just goes on and on. By the time you're done having a two second conversation in your head about yourself and your own dreams, you're already on your deathbed. You know, so it's like, enjoy the process in the season that God has you in. I know it's easier said than done, but just taking it before the Lord saying, Lord, what do you want to teach me in this season? What do you want to expose to me about myself? who do i need to become obviously I need to become more like christ so less of myself and more of you god and um yeah so we're just praying for all of our listeners if yeah. you're single dating engaged or if you're even married like we've been praying for you in every season so to know that you can um be encouraged where you're at and god sees you he knows you he knows the plans he has for you when you seek him with your whole heart we got to keep reading that um jeremiah 29, 11 and little past that and um just keep <laughs> seeking him with your whole heart and he will become your everything, even yeah. when you feel like you have nothing.
2: So And that that is a little bit of a word for the pastors and staff members listening of just don't put your single young adults at the kids' table. Right. You know, so, I mean, there is, there are plenty of immature people that get married. Okay. So don't treat marriage like a litmus test of like, okay, well now that you're married, you've arrived and now, you know, you, we can really use you here in the church, but you singles, you're just selfish and entitled and whatever, not true at all, which is why I want staff members and pastors and, and whatnot to investigate the lives of their single people. Cause there mm-hmm. are many passionate, passionate yeah. single young adults. Out there, who have they? They want to give up the time and the resources to serve right where they are. That's so good,
1: incredible. And Lisa, how we like to close this podcast is with a fan favorite and a Micah and Josiah favorite section. We call it the five thoughts, five and five. And we put five minutes up on the clock. We want to honor and respect your time, and at the same time, get to know you better. So, how we're gonna start? If you should you accept this question, you can deny it as well. (laughs) Never said that hundred. 2,550 episodes, never gave anybody an out, but you can have an out if you want. But if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be?
2: <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you guys optimistic. I'm an internal optimist that has worked well for me. It's just a personality trait. It's not spiritual or anything, but I love looking at the positive side of things. But that said, number two, controlling. Controlling. I am a classic controller. If I could get everyone in my family, in my friend circles to do exactly what I want them to do when I want them to do it, I would make it happen. Why are they not listening to me? You guys, they need to start. Falling in line and behaving the way I want them to behave. And then I would say probably what, what people say about me is I'm pretty observant. Um, like I will, I'll, I'll, be in a room and I notice what people are saying. I love being that person that connects other people. Um, uh, observing, observing stuff is also great in my sense of humor as well. I seem to remember every quirky thing that's ever happened to me. So those are the three that come to mind. That's amazing. All right, Lisa, question number two, what is God teaching you lately? Okay, besides what I mentioned about Romans and walking through Romans and everything about God's righteousness, um, I would have to say one of the biggest things I've been learning lately is in uh, that area of control. So I'm going to circle back to that just for a second, Um, recognizing that God's in control, I'm not. And I absolutely need to submit other people and other circumstances to his will. I cannot be their Holy spirit. I cannot orchestrate or manipulate events or people's hearts to suit what I think. I mean, it's all sourced out of fear. You guys, if I could live a life that was not driven by fear, I would do it in a heartbeat, but that is where God is molding me and shaping me. It is literally, I I stumble in that area every day. Well, you know are what? Going there.
1: Me too. There's fears. <laughs> there's phone calls that I'm afraid to make right now. There's yep. text messages that I got to, and I'm an encourager and optimist. Like you are there's emails that, man, I, I send them later because in this moment, <laughs> I I'm a little bit afraid of, I don't know why. And mm-hmm. uh, that's just three examples. There's a lot of <laughs> other fears like failure. Um, a fear of lack or not having enough all those fears and so what that says is that you're human and i'm human too and the it's good news for the listener because they are as well and um lisa if you could ask mike and i anything today one question this keeps us engaged and on our toes you can ask us anything
2: yep I think my question for you, because I love asking this of people, I find that I learned so much of it is what are, and you answered this a little bit, Josiah, what are you guys trusting God with today? I mean, I think for me, that's kind of like a checkpoint for everyone of just like, Okay, because again, it's so easy to sit mm-hmm. in a small group or in a Bible study and just take in the word or take in other people's ideas, but when you turn it back on you and you say, "Okay, prove it. How are you trusting God today? Where is he having to meet you or you would not be able to stand up? What does that look like?" Do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Okay. Um, many things, we're new parents. We have two girls under 2, mm-hmm. both born in the pandemic. So I think like I'm I'm realizing my imperfections and my shortcomings. Mm-hmm. So I'm trusting God for that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I think career-wise too, like we are college pastors mm-hmm. um on a campus that is still operating 80% online. Mm-hmm. And so with our future, mm-hmm. uh, with our hopes and dreams, with visions that are inside our heart, I said a head full of dreams, those are there. And yet at, at the same time, like how, how in the world? Those are outlandish. Mm-hmm. Those are. Man, those are impossible dreams, it seems at times. And so with each one of those things, like, man, I'm (laughs) taking notes from our conversation, but in this journal, there's also a lot of prayers that I am contending for Mm -hmm. some big dreams and some next steps that we need to hear from God.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think number one, I think is career and future. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? We know that we're called to ministry together, but it looks different, even though we're functioning, you know, as a team and just realizing and recognizing, okay, God, you place dreams and desires in my heart, a passion for creativity. Um, I'm trusting that you are going to provide an outlet where I'm going to feel completely fulfilled and adequate in those um, settings and in that space. And then also, I think one thing we're trusting God for is um, just starting a conference. We're in our third annual conference for young adult ministry leaders and just trusting that, you know what, this is not about our name. It's about God's name and making him known. And we just want to be individuals um, that create content and don't only consume it, but can provide rallying points, resources, and be a reference for people across the globe um, to point them in whatever direction um, or connection that we may have. So I guess we're just teammates and want to be linking arms with people across the globe in that regard with young adult ministry. And to see their dreams come to life. So I'm trusting that God will bring the people he needs to bring our way because we're an answer to prayer to somebody, and somebody else is an answer to prayer, you know, to parts of our story. So I think trusting him in a lot of different areas, realizing that we're in control of nothing <laughs> except for our emotions at <laughs> this very moment. Right. <laughs>
1: Wow. (laughs) Good one. Lisa, thanks so much for asking and for truly caring and um, for having this conversation with us. Back to you. Question four or five is outside of ministry. What makes you come alive? Like if you had an afternoon of free time, where would we find you?
2: Okay, so the the first thing that came to mind when when you asked that is water. Which is hilarious because I live in Colorado and you have to like go practically (laughs) dig water up to get it. I need to move to Minnesota. Um, But anywhere that I can find water and and doing anything in water, I love to water ski. I love to go to the Caribbean and sit on the beach. I love to, I, I mean, I need to functionally find a water feature that I can purchase and put in my home. Like that's how much I love water. The sound of running water, still water, anything like that, anything that has to do with water. I absolutely love it. Um, but I'm also going to cheat and add a two-parter here. I also love asking people questions and finding out about people. This is how I've been able to host a show for so long. I love getting to know people. In fact, I just did this with my neighbors where, um, we've been getting together throughout the summer, a bunch of us, and, um, they would always just sit around and brag about their home improvement projects, you guys. And I was just so flatlining. I'm like, come on, we don't need to hear about your new screen door again. And so I just started started asking questions and being like, you know, one was like, where would you love to travel to? And where's somewhere that everyone wants to travel to that you have no interest? I have a neighbor across the street who still talks to me about that. She's like, that was so amazing when you started asking questions. And it's again, just a testimony to people are lonely, and they feel unseen. And we have such an opportunity as the body of Christ to reach into their lives and say, you matter. And I want to see and hear you. I love it. Well, we love to ask questions too. And this is our last question for you, Lisa. Okay.
0: If we were to hand you the microphone today and you had an opportunity to tell a group of college pastors and young adult leaders or ministry leaders, one thing, what would you leave them with today? Could be encouragement, could be a verse, a word. What is what's on your heart?
2: Oh, for sure. Okay. I'm going to say this as fast as I can. The first is keep doing what you are doing. Do not think that the senior pastor has it going on and you are just some lesser whatever waiting to be trained to be something bigger in the future. You have an opportunity right where you are to make a big difference and to impact the people that are right in front of you. With that, I want to encourage everyone who has the opportunity to pour into others. Mm -hmm. Really my, my number one thing is teach, teach young adults to learn and apply the Bible for themselves. If we do not understand how to take God's word, feed ourselves from God's word, everything I have to say at boundless, everything you guys have to say on this podcast, every book that's ever written, it's just tips and tactics. It is not going to be transformational. So I mean, to I I say this to young adults, find a way to study the Bible that works for you. I don't care what else you prioritize in your life, figure out how to get in it daily, how to apply it to what you're doing on Tuesday, figure out what this looks like, because it will matter for the rest of your life. And it's the only thing that we can take with us in, in a transformational way so good
1: I love it and go with me here for a second because I went there yesterday and that's to the dentist and wow. I was thinking in this moment to close about how our role as spiritual leaders as maybe faith leaders or pastoral leaders really leaders in general mm-hmm. is it's a lot we're a lot like dentists and we might be able to to give somebody some encouragement some challenges but really when I go to the dentist, it's about my personal relationship with my teeth. And if I want healthy teeth, <laughs> if I want good oral hygiene, they say, I'm going to need to do some things. I'm going to need a brush. I'm going to need a floss. I can rinse and I can do those a few times a day. And, um, I'm going to watch what kind of sugar or pop or colas, those types of things. Ingesting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but at the same time, just because Dr. Zerbel, my dentist, just because she's brushing her teeth, doesn't mean that I am or that yeah. her, her ability to clean my teeth, like once in a while, when I go there once or twice a year is going to be that faith me up like Christmas or Easter. I'm just on a roll here for a second and just yeah. sharing for the young adult listening or for the leader. Like it's also Dr. Zerbel, the dentist, she has a responsibility just because she's, Overseeing maybe my oral hygiene and helping me and encouraging me and challenging me on that journey, she's still got to take her own health seriously Mm -hmm. as a leader. And so anyway, thanks for going there (laughs) with me. I hope that that (laughs) leaves you challenged and encouraged if you're listening and Lisa, we just come back to you and we want to say thanks for the work you're doing at boundless. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the the extension of focus on the family and the vision for Christ and the local church that you guys carry in that mantle and, and for taking time to invest in Mike and I and Mm -hmm. our community of young leaders.
2: Well, this has been such a privilege. And it's just so funny. I mean, you even mentioning the the dentist, Josiah, because I was thinking to myself, yeah, and don't what we want to do in that is start arguing about, okay, but what about electric toothbrushes? Or what about water picks? Or what about, and we get caught up in all the ancillary nonsense kind of arguments when it's just take care of your teeth. And so I think the parallel for us is, you know, so many Christian leaders are about like, okay, can I go to the next leadership seminar? Am I reading the right books? Am I? listening to the right podcasts That's not where it's at. I mean, it may not sound sexy, but it doesn't matter how many Instagram followers we have. Mm -hmm. If we are not truly taking in ingesting and being changed by God's word. And so I just get back to that and I'm like, I don't, I tell young adults, I don't, I don't care what you're doing, who you're following, what marketing tactics you have, understand who God says you are and live out of that. And you'll be set on the right course. That is so good. And for the listener, if you
0: want to find out more about Lisa Anderson, the Dating Manifesto, and Boundless, you can do that when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well across all of our social media platforms. Once again, this is Micah and Josiah signing off.